I had the privilege, Miss Judy and I, of having lunch today with Miss Emily and her two sisters, uh, Bethany and Katie, and her mom and dad, uh, John and Faith Jensen. What a blessing that was. The man that I mentioned this morning that was the cook that was inviting me to, to be saved and to the Lord was Faith's uncle, Bob Ware. Her dad, Steve Ware, and I are just good friends, and I appreciate the Ware family and the influence and the impact that they have had on my life. And uh, I like your assistant pastor, and you probably got a lot of them here. I probably like all of them, but I'm thinking of Andy. And uh, uh, he and I just sort of resonate good together. We both enjoy a little humor, and uh, if we could just find it. <laughs> I was telling him, I said, Brother Randy, did you ever notice that when people stand, it looks like there's a whole lot more people there? He said, yeah. I said, well, I think I'm going to have him stand during the message tonight. <laughs> I'm not going to do that to you. I wouldn't do that to you. I wouldn't want you to do that to me. Now, when I was younger, like these girls up here, I could have stood up like that. But now that I'm a little older, that standing stuff doesn't, doesn't cut it like it used to. How many of you understand that little thought? Well, I got my phone today. I left here today and I got out front and I said, I don't have my phone. So I thought maybe it's up here. And I came up here and it wasn't up here. And I went to the restroom over another building. It wasn't in there. And so... I left here not knowing where my phone was. And uh, I use this as an alarm clock. So when I take a nap on a Sunday afternoon, uh, if I do that, and I don't mind doing that, not, not when I was these girls' age, but when I was some of your folks' age, I take a little nap, but I get up with my phone. I didn't have that. But uh, I've got it back now. And when I got here, Pastor Andy had it plugged in. It's charged up. I'm going to preach it till it runs down tonight. Just, I'm just, I am just kidding. Uh, you heard about the guy who was in a restaurant. Everybody had a cell phone but him. And all of a sudden he went, hello. Yeah? Yeah, sure. Okay. And the waitress said, you're silly. You don't have a cell phone. He said, no, no, I work for the CIA. I have chips in my nails. She said, get out of here. Well, the old boy, he got out of there. He went to the bathroom. He came out of the bathroom. He had a stream of toilet paper hanging on the back of his pants. She said, some Mr. CIA man, you are. Look at that paper hanging on the back of your pants. He said, oh, I'm receiving a fax. Uh, I told you this morning I was from Kentucky, and uh, up in Kentucky there was a, a guy by the name of Zeke. I don't know whether it was his real name or they just called him Zeke, but that's what everybody called him Zeke. Well, Zeke was sort of like a wild man, then he got saved. I mean, he got a good dose of old-time B-I-B-L-E salvation from top of head to bottom of his feet. He got saved. So he's gone over those mountains, and he was giving his testimony. Well, in reality, he was doing more preaching than he was testifying. But he was talking about the Lord everywhere, just preaching and testifying away. And one of the brethren said, now, Zeke, if you're going to preach, you need to get ordained. He said, well, what's that? They said, we'll bring you in and uh, we'll have some of the preacher brethren. They'll come and we'll set them around a little half moon circle, put you in the middle and they'll ask you some questions. And if they think that God has called you to preach, they'll lay their hands on you and they'll ordain you. He said, well, all right, let's do that. Well, they brought old Zeke in. They set him down there, had a little half moon of chairs around him. They said, now, Zeke, we want to ask you some questions. He said, all right, go ahead. First of all, do you believe the Bible? Do I believe the Bible? I believe the Bible from lid to lid. I even believe the lid. It's a holy Bible. They said, well, now, Zeke, what is your favorite book of the Bible? He scratched his chin and he said, well, now, my favorite book of the Bible be the Gospel of Luke. Because it contained the story of the Good Samaritan. 
And one of those brethren said, now, Zeke, why don't you just tell us the story of the Good Samaritan? He said, all right, I will. He said, once upon a time, there was a man that went from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And that man fell among the thorns. And the thorns growed up and choked that man. And along come the angel of the Lord, and he strove with that man and set him free. And then here come the queen of Sheba in her royal chariot, and she give him five wedges of gold and 50 changes of raiment. He went over into the big city. He bought himself a chariot. He got in that chariot, and he drove furiously until his hair got caught in a tree limb and left him hanging there many days and many nights. And along come to Delilah with her scissors, and she cut off his hair, and he fall on the stony ground. He bring forth some 30, some 60, some 100-fold. He look up into the sky. He see a cloud about the size of a man's hand. It commenced to rain. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. But the Lord done prepared a fish to swallow him up during the tribulation. And when that tribulation was over, that fish spit him out on the dry land. He walked down the road, and he see that big giant Goliath. He passed by on the other side. And a man come out and said, I want you to come take supper with me. He said, I cannot come, for I have married a wife. But he compelled him to come. And after supper, he said, did not my heart burn within me? He walked into the big city, and up on the ledge, he see that wicked woman Jezebel. He said, who's on the Lord's side? They said, we're on the Lord's side. He said, flang her down. They flanged her down. He said, flang her down again. They flanged her down again. He said, flang her down 70 times 7. And they flanged her down 70 times 7. And the fragments that remained were 12 baskets full, not counting women and children. And I'll leave you with this one last final question. Whose wife is she going to be in the day of the judgment? Now, my only thought to that is, boy, that man sure do knew the Bible, don't he? You know, the truth is, if you didn't know the Bible yourself, you wouldn't have laughed at any of that. You'd have thought, what is that guy doing up there? Uh, it's because you do know something that the Bible. Now, that guy, he knew the Bible. He just needed to have somebody straighten him out. It was like Apollos, the gifted orator. When Priscilla and Aquila took him in, they explained to him the way of God more specifically. And uh, Ozeke, if he would have got it straight, he'd have been a powerful preacher in those mountains, I would think. I'm so glad you're here tonight. Now, how many of you have already made New Year's resolutions? And broken them? How many of you do break, make resolutions? You do it. You do it. I never have been one big on making New Year's resolutions. Uh, now, I try to do some things, but, but I don't say, here's my New Year's resolutions for this time of year. Now, uh, a lot of people, are, they're like me, they're procrastinators. You know the president of the Procrastinators Club? He said some of our best members haven't even joined yet. <laughs> That's who I am. I'm one of those. I haven't even joined up the club yet. Uh, are you still glad you came? It would have been worth to hear Miss Emily sing. And uh, then to hear Brother Terry lead us in the singing we do. And then to get to see Brother Andy tonight to read the scriptures from Acts chapter 28. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. Pastor Blaylock, if you're watching, or if your brother or sons, sons or daughters or anybody tells you that, that they were here tonight, uh, thank you for the invitation, and God bless you. Uh, I do want to come back sometime and hear your choir sing. I've heard good things about your choir. And uh, now if all the choir members are here, we can load you up right quick and do something. <laughs> I'm just kidding with you. Uh, the guys were asking me, the guys who run the sound booth back there, what the title of the message was. And uh, I told them the text, Acts 28, 1 to 10. And I said, uh, the title of the message, either pick up sticks or 
keep the fire going. Now, the reason you pick up sticks is to keep the fire going. I will give somebody in this room, I just thought of this a while ago, if you can tell me, without looking, the weather conditions of the text that Brother Andy read to you, I'll give you a dollar. What were the conditions, weather conditions? What was it? Who said that? You get a dollar. Uh, that is true. Now, uh, raining would be one thing, but raining and cold would be another. Young lady, one of you ladies, a young lady who's quick on her feet, would you take this back to this? He and I both are too old to do this. Raise your hand, sir. The guy back there with the sheriff's mustache. You could say to him, I must ask you a question. How long? <laughs> are we still friends? Good. It was either pick up sticks or keep the fire going. But you have to pick up sticks to keep the fire going. In Acts chapter 23, in verse 11, the Lord appeared to the apostle Paul. And he said to Paul, be of good cheer. For as thou hast borne witness of me in Jerusalem, so must thou bear witness of me in Rome. God told him, you're going to go to Rome and, Rome and bear witness of me. What was amazing about that story, he no sooner had given him that revelation that he's going to go to Rome. Forty men, forty, bound themselves with an oath that they would not eat or drink until they killed Paul. Now, how would you like to have 40 men bind themselves under an oath that they're going to kill you? I was preaching along these one time, along this line in Fort Myers at Winkler Road Baptist Church. I had the privilege of pastoring for a number of years. And after that service, my wife and I, we were the last ones to leave the property. Now, the last person to leave the property on church property, uh, you know, church properties get a little spooky, that kind of thing. Churches get a little spooky <laughs> when all the lights are turned. I don't want to scare you or anything. The lights are on. Uh, we get to the car, and I'm opening the door, and there's something under the windshield wiper. I thought, well, what's this? And I opened it up, and it said, when you least expect it, I will be praying for you. Signed, the prayer warrior. I thought, I like that. It took me years before I ever found out who the prayer warrior was who left that note there. But I was much glad that it was a prayer warrior who signed that rather than somebody when you least expect they're going to kill you. <laughs> and so Paul had these men to say that. Now, remember when God said you're going to go to Rome, these guys are going to kill him. And then after this, Paul is preaching and he gets arrested. And he gets thrown in jail. I, I don't mean overnight. He's going to spend a few years in jail. And then from the jail cell, he's going to Rome, and there's a centurion who's been given charge over taking him there, and he put him into a ship that was headed that way. And the Bible says, and when the south wind blew softly, they supposed that they had obtained their purpose, and they loosed from where they were, and they were on their way. And then the Bible says, but not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And for many days and many nights, they did not see the sun by day, nor the stars by night. They lightened the ship. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, 
Paul's on the ship. Remember, God said they're going to Rome. And he said, all hope that we would be saved was gone. No hope. Do you ever feel like that sometimes? There's just no hope for me. There was no hope. But God said, you're going to go to Rome. Now, not only were 40 men trying to kill him, now he spent years in jail, now he's in a storm. And it looks like there is no hope. But in the midst of that storm, the only person in the whole universe who knew where Paul was, was God. The owner of the ship, the captain of the ship, the centurion, none of those knew where they were. Paul didn't know where they were. None of them did. They were in a storm, just being tossed about, and God dispatched an angel. He knew the latitude, the longitude. He said, go down there and tell Paul that uh, he's going to be okay. I'm going to give him all those that sail with him. It's going to be okay. And Paul said to those men, be of good cheer. And here is what I think is one of the greatest definitions of faith that you could find in the Bible. He said, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. You know, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul said, I believe God. It's going to be just like God said. God said, you're going to Rome. But he hadn't got there yet. You know, when you got saved, God wrote your name down in heaven. And he set you on a journey that will end in heaven. That's where you're going. It's like Jesus said, let's get in the boat and go the other side. They got in the boat. And out in the middle of the sea, a big storm came, and it didn't look like they were going to make it, but they did make it. God said, you're going to go to heaven. Now, the truth is, folks, if God would have shown a number of us what we're going to go through before we get there, some folks might say, Lord, could we renegotiate this? God told Paul what he's going to do. He showed him how he, how, how he must suffer for him. And when we come to chapter 28, and the Bible says, in chapter 28, in verse 16, and when we came to Rome, he got there because God said he would. But while he's on the way and they're in this storm, all hope that we would be saved was taken away. Paul said, I believe God. And then, not only is he in the storm, but the, the ship gets stuck. You can read this in 27 stuck now he's stuck they can't go anywhere and the waves are beating against that ship now you're in 28 so would you look at the latter end of verse chapter 27 verse 43 but the centurion willing to save paul kept them from their purpose and commanded that they which could swim should cast themselves first into the sea and get to land and the rest someone bore someone broken pieces of the ship and so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land all hope was gone. All escaped safe to land. You see, God said, you're going to go to Rome. And God gave him all those people that sailed with him. Now, when they got to where they were stuck, and uh, they're going to have to abandon ship because the ship's not going anywhere and it's stuck, and it's coming apart. And some of those people who could swim, they swam. Some, he said, if you can grab a board, grab a board and hang on. Do what you have to do. And it didn't matter how they got there. Someone bored, someone broken pieces of the ship, but they all escaped safe to land. We tend to think that if God is in control, everything's going to be uh, Gucci style or Rolex style. And, you know, the timepiece may be a little Timex. 
perhaps the Mickey Mouse or whatever. But God's word is so. When Elijah prayed that it wasn't going to rain until he said so, and then he went down to Zarephath, and God said, I've commanded a widow woman to take care of you there. You would have thought she would have had a palatial home, lots of rooms, lots of food, and a woman that was down to a little barrel full of meal, going to go make two cakes, one for her and one for her son, and die. That's the woman he chose. It didn't matter. You see, if God would have filled that woman's barrel up in a few other barrels, she'd have been robbed by people who didn't have anything, so he just gave her what she needed for every day. That's what God promised. You can say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. He's in charge and he is taking care of us. And so when they landed on this island, they knew where it was. They called it Melita. There were barbarous people there. There were people there who had never been exposed to the gospel. What they knew about God was from pagan kind of thing. They knew there was a God. And they knew something between right and wrong. Because they thought Paul was a murderer and he's escaped the vengeance of the sea. But God's not going to, the snake when he bit him, he's going he's to die. That's what the people thought. So when they landed there, and the Bible says that those people showed us no little kindness. Now that's just a backhanded way of saying they were very kind to us. They showed us no little kindness, but lots of kindness. It was cold and raining. Now, if you're driving down the road, coming home from work, you're on Indian Town Road, or you're on 95, or you're on the Turnpike, and it's one of those uh, 78, 79 degrees, nice little temperature around here, and you had a good day at the office, got your favorite easy listening or Christian radio station on or CD, and up ahead you see a, a, a looks like a woman is in distress. The closer you get, it's a woman who has a flat tire. And uh, you being the kind of guy you are and you want to show kindness, are you more apt to pull off the side of the road and help this woman get her tire fixed? But let's change the scenario. It's not 78 degrees. It's 34. And it's raining and it's trying to turn to sleet. And it's freezing. And you didn't have a good day at work. And you're going home and there she is up there in front of you. Are you more apt to stop now? It was raining. It was cold. And the Bible says that these people showed us no little kindness. For they kindled a fire for all of us. Now this, there were 276 people on that ship. It takes a pretty good fire to warm up 276 people, plus the people on the island who are going to come and get warmed by that fire as well. And so there, there's this fire burning at this time, and they showed us no little kindness. My wife is from Michigan. We were in Michigan one day, driving down the road, and there was a sign on the side of the road that says, do not pick up hitchhikers. And the reason for that was, in that area, there was a prison. And they said, if you're going to be kind, don't be kind here. Don't pick up a hitchhiker, because if you pick up a hitchhiker, you don't know but what that person has an escape from the prison, and you may be picking up a prisoner. Just don't pick up hitchhikers. Don't be kind here. Well, these people, though it was cold and raining, they were kind. I was in the United States Navy. This did not happen while I was there, but they said that there were signs on the people's yards, sailors and dogs stay off grass. Now, the reason they didn't want dogs, it's obvious. But the reason they didn't want sailors is, here's a guy, he's got some beautiful 17, 18, 19-year-old daughters. 
And he doesn't want some smooth-talking sailor to come by and sweep them off their feet so you're not welcome around here. He wasn't going to be kind to them there. But here these people built this big fire. And they built it so that they could warm these people up. They had just come out of the sea. They're wet. And they got this huge fire going. You know, the Bible says, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out, Proverbs says. All fire needs fuel, either wood or some kind of propane or some kind of uh, substance that would keep it going. There's an interesting phrase in the book of Leviticus, chapter 6, when, he's, when, when Moses is talking about the, the law of the burnt offering. And uh, the burnt offering is when you sin, you could take your sin offering in to the priest and he would deal with God on your behalf to take care of your sin. And they had to have this fire going so they could make their sacrifice. And God said about that fire, that fire shall never go out. If somebody sins, God is saying, I want them to feel free to know that there's a place where they can go at any time, day or night. It doesn't really matter. That fire is not going to go out. You can bring your sin offering and they'll offer it up for you. Isn't God good? Miss Emily saying about that. And he is good. I don't want the fire to ever go out. You know, Jeremiah was God's man. Jeremiah preached with a passionate heart and never had one convert. Some of the people he preached to, they were mad at him. They threw him in prison. They ostracized him. But he was God's man. He did what God told him to do. And one day, he was so caught up with what the people were doing. And he said, imagine, he said, God, you've deceived me. I thought if I went and preached and did what you told me to do, that you were going to bless me. And it looks like you haven't blessed me at all. Do you ever feel that way? You show up in church, you read your Bible, you pray, you do what you ought to do, and it seems like nothing's going right. And Lord, you, you've deceived me. I'm just not going to preach in your name anymore. That's what he said. Well, one day old Jeremiah was going down the road and he saw some guys doing things they should not be doing and the prophet heart that he had. He said, hey guys, it's... God said, no, 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 you said you weren't going to talk in my name anymore. So he went on down the road and he saw somebody else, somebody else doing things they shouldn't be doing. He said, hey, this is... God said, no, 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 you said you weren't going to talk in my name anymore. And Jeremiah said, Lord, I can't stop. Your word is like a fire shut up in my bosom. I can't put this fire out. You remember when Jesus was raised from the dead and he's walking down the road of, to Emmaus and he joined company with those two? They were all sad. He said, why are you so sad? Well, don't you know? Know what? And he told about Jesus. Of course, he knew all that. He wanted to know what they were. He wanted them to know that he knew what they were talking about. And they said, uh, we thought it was going to be he. And so he starts explaining some things to them. They perk up a little bit. And they get to where they're going. They said, come and stay. He said, no, I'm going to go on. They said, no, no. They constrained him. Stay, stay. And it was while he was breaking bread. They're watching him. He takes this bread and he breaks it. Now, they see something in his hands that says, you're him, aren't you? 
And then all of a sudden, it's like their eyes were opened. And they knew who he was. And they said about this, Did not our heart burn within us? While he talked to us, by the way. Wouldn't you like to have in 2023 holy heart burn? Did you get from the Lord? He explained to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I'd love to have been in on that little Bible study and have him to tell us this scripture's about me. The Bible is about him. If the Bible were a, a person, it'd be the Lord. If the Lord were a book, he'd be the Bible. Did not our hearts burn within us? Is not my word like as a fire that consumes and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. I'm telling you, folks, many of us and probably all of us don't understand the power of what we hold in our laps and hands right now. This is the very word of God that is quick. It means it's alive. It's like when you're cutting your fingernails. Did you ever cut your fingernails and all of a sudden you, oh. And the reason you went, oh, is because you cut down to the quick. You cut down to where there's life. Not just that little nail that's gone. You cut to the quick. The word of God is quick and powerful. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a discern of the thoughts and intents of the heart. This book is powerful. It's the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Handle it wisely. And so they, warming themselves at this fire. This is no little, get the marshmallows and the wieners out. We're going to roast the wieners. This is a big one, big fire. Now the principle is, I gave it to you a while ago, where no, fire, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. The Apostle Paul understood a principle. If we don't put some wood on this fire, it's going to go out. So the Apostle Paul, church planter, evangelist, missionary, writer of New Testament books, Apostle Paul is out picking up sticks so he can throw those sticks on the fire. Remember, where there's no wood, the fire goes out. Paul did not start that fire, but he certainly was blessed by that fire. He was warmed by that fire. And he wanted to keep that fire going. I don't know whether you realize it or not. I think most of you probably do. There's a gospel fire burning at Beacon Baptist Church. And probably most of you didn't start this fire. It wasn't your fire. But you were blessed by this fire. And you came here and you got warmed by this fire. Maybe you had your life transformed by this fire. But God had put in Pastor Jim's heart so many and maybe some others of you with him to bring the, the dream to fruition. And people come from all over this county to get warmed by the fire here at Beacon Baptist Church. You don't want to ever let this fire go out. You want to make sure that those doors are always open, that those banners out there are waving. That's the way, only way some people are going to know you're here when they see those banners. They hide everything over on this side of the state. Over on our side, we don't hide it. I mean, if you want to go to McDonald's, you've got to go look for it here. 
over there, it's standing out. Hey, come in here. That's your style over here, and it's okay. Uh, how many of you are thankful for those banners out there? When you see it, you know you're here. <laughs> You've been coming here so long, you know all this is here. The point I'm making is the fire that's going on here, it's not your fire, but you're being warmed by it. Now, if you're not warmed by it, don't put it out so somebody else can't be warmed by it. You know, there's some people who say, well, it's not my fire. And so they go over there and they're stomping it out or got a bucket of water pouring it on it. You know, if you come in here with a bad spirit, a bad attitude, don't care. Don't pray for what's going on. Don't give to help what's going on. None of that. I don't care about this church. You don't want the fire to go out. It may be one of your kids. It may be one of your grandkids. It may be one of your coworkers. It's going to come here one day, and they're going to hear a message from this pulpit that's going to transform their lives. And you'll be glad the fire was burning here then. And the Apostle Paul is not too big to say, I'm not going to pick up a stick. I'm the Apostle Paul. You know, if a person is too big to do something little, he's too big. He wasn't too big. George Washington was riding his horse, and he jumped over a fence, and the hind hoofs of that horse tore a little part of the wall down. And he stopped. He was getting off, and somebody said, No, General, somebody take care of this. But a little later, George Washington went back, and he picked up those little pieces of rock that he knocked down with his horse when he jumped over it. This kind of guy he was. And the Apostle Paul is out picking up sticks. You pick up sticks so you can keep the fire going. Now, the amazing thing about sticks, sticks come in all sizes. They're little sticks, little branches, they're bigger sticks, and then they're, they're logs. Uh, everybody in this room can pick up a stick. And some of you can pick up a bigger stick than others. Now, if we had a big log up here, we may need four, five, six of you guys to pick up this big log. But it's a big fire to keep it going. But the point is, you're picking up sticks. You know what you do around Beacon Baptist Church? If you're going to keep the fire going in 2023, if you're going to keep this place going to make a difference, pick up a stick. My wife and I both appreciated this platform. This didn't just happen. Somebody or somebodies came over here and thought this out. We could put some flowers here and here and over here. We could put some lights up here and we could put this over here. That's picking up a stick. My heart was blessed this morning by those two young men who played the trumpets over here. They added to me, they added so much to that service this morning. That's picking up a stick. When the young lady played the, the piano, and then when Miss Emily came and played the piano and sang, these guys who work back here in the sound booth were picking up sticks. We were here this morning, we went to Sunday school class. In a couple of Sunday school classes, I saw that they had coffee and something to munch on. That didn't just arrive here. Somebody prepared that. Somebody brought that. And I suspect there are people sitting here tonight that you were blessed by that. You enjoyed the cup of coffee. Or you enjoyed the cookie. Or whatever. Somebody has to sweep the property. Somebody has to vacuum the place. Somebody has to put up or take down or roll up or roll up those petitions back here. 
Somebody has to put out, somebody went out this morning and said, where are the daily breads? Whoever brings those out is picking up a stick. Whatever you do here at Beacon Baptist Church is picking up a stick. Everybody in this room tonight ought to ask God, Lord, what stick can I pick up to help Beacon Baptist Church fire keep going? And if you don't have any idea, ask Brother Andy. He'll tell you some ideas. Ask the pastor or somebody who's doing something else. They may need an assistant or somebody to help them. You could pick up a stick and keep the fire going. When you pick up a stick, it's like you've got skin in the game. You want to know how to have a heart for Beacon Baptist Church? And I'm not saying you don't. I'm just going to tell you, you know how to have a heart? For Beacon Baptist Church? Put some money in it. Well, where'd you come up with that? Did not Jesus say, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also? Now, he didn't reverse those. He didn't say where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. He said where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. If you have no treasure in Beacon Baptist Church, you will have no heart. You know how to have a heart for missions? Put some treasure in it. But in this context, we're talking about keeping the fire going at Beacon Baptist Church. You can pick up a stick. And there are all kinds of sticks. Children can pick up sticks. Older people can pick up sticks. And remember, where there's no wood, the fire goeth out. So Paul is picking up a bundle of sticks. And he's picking up these bundle of sticks and throwing them on the fire. And then, when you get a fire going, don't be surprised if the devil shows up. When he had gathered a bundle of sticks, he picked up a stick that was not a stick. You know, snakes are cold-blooded. That's why they get out sunning themselves. He picked up one that was in like a semi-conscious state, threw it up there, what he thought, with those other sticks. And when he got up close to the fire, remember this is a big fire. He gets up close, and that snake starts to revive. And when he's throwing it, all of a sudden, all the sticks flew out except one. Grabbed him on his hand. Now, here's Paul standing there. He just threw that bundle of sticks up there, and he's got this snake hanging here. And when the people saw it, they, this man's a murderer. He escaped the vengeance of the sea, but he's going to get it. They always get it. And then all of a sudden, he shook that viper off into the fire. By the way, I have read the last chapter on the devil, and I know who the snake is. That old serpent, the devil. And I've read the last chapter, and he's going to end up in the fire too. In the lake of fire. And he's standing there. And they changed their mind. They said, this guy, he's not a murderer. He's an angel. He's somebody special. He's a, and, and he wasn't any of those things. He just was Paul, the apostle, sinner saved by grace. And he was bit. Do you know where he was bit? He was bit on his hand. Is that significant or not? Have you ever looked at hands in the Bible? How about this one? 
Paul said in Galatians, they gave the right hands of fellowship to Barnabas and me. Hands of fellowship. Do you think the devil would like to bite your hand of fellowship? I want you to know he would love to have people on this side of church mad at the people on this side of church and vice versa. So you're not fellowshipping anymore. He loves, it's like this lady went to the doctor and the doctor, he he said, ma'am, I hate to tell you this, but I checked this twice. You have rabies. She said, no. He said, yes. All of a sudden, she got this look on her face, and she opened up her purse, and she reached in, and she pulled out a pen and pad, and she started writing. He said, are you writing out a will? She said, no. I'm writing down the names of people I want to go bite. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of people like that. They want to go bite somebody and give them something contagious. You want to... Always be in fellowship with God's people. And then how about this one? Paul said, I would that men would pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands. The devil would like to bite everybody's hands of praying. You realize that if people don't pray, nothing much happens? If we could just get, prayer is one of those subjects, I don't care who it is that speaks on it, he says something like this. Look, I'm not setting myself up, up as an example of praying. And everybody would agree with that. None of us pray all that we should pray. At least we understand that. Paul said, you, in Corinthians, helping by prayer. Do you realize what you can do for Pastor Blaylock is to pray for him? Pray for him when he's preaching. Pray for him as he's pastoring this church. Pray for the staff. Pray for the workers. Just pray for them. And ask God to help them. One day I was browsing through a bookstore. Preachers have been known to do that. I came across a book called 80 Years of Miracles. And in that book, I paid a dime for it. I got a story that's been worth a whole lot more than a dime. There was a professor, Professor Lee was at this small college. He taught chemistry. But every year at Thanksgiving time, he stopped his chemistry lessons, and he did three lessons on miracles and praying, poo-pooing the idea, laughing at anybody who prayed and expected a miracle. And when he would get through to these little young college students. He said, now, boys and girls, I've been talking to you about laughing about prayer. and so forth. How many of you still believe in prayer? Now, I'm going to give you an opportunity to show that you believe in prayer. And he picked up, I thought maybe I brought my water up here. I was going to show you. He picked up a flask. You know what a flask is? It's got a little skinny neck. And then like this. He picked this up and he said, now, if you still believe in prayer, I'm going to give you an opportunity. You can stand in front of everybody. We'll be real quiet and we'll let you pray. And you pray that when I drop the flask, it doesn't break. But I just want you to know when I drop the flask, it is going to break. You can call mama. You can call daddy. You can call your preacher. You can call granny. You can call anybody you want to call. But I just want you to know when I drop the flask, it's going to break. Anybody want to pray? But those young people sat there like nobody. One year, a young guy. Checked in that school. He had to take that course with Dr. Lee in chemistry. He said to a friend, he said, I want you to pray with me. 
I'm going to take Dr. Lee's challenge. I'm going to pray on that day. Would you just pray with me that God will hear us? He said, yeah. Well, they were in the class. Thanksgiving came. He did his lectures. Anybody want to pray? And this young man raised his hand. He said, oh, class, I see. We have a taker here. Now, son, I just want you to know, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray, but I just want you to know, when I drop this flask, it's going to break. You still want to pray? Yes, sir. Well, class, let's be real quiet and reverent while this young man prays. He stood up, and he prayed a prayer something like this. God, Jesus is your servant, and I'm your servant. Please don't let that flask break. Amen. There were no windows open. There were no fans moving air around. It was quiet. And all of a sudden, the professor held out that flask and dropped it. But instead of it hitting the floor and smashing into thousands or millions of pieces of glass, that flask did something unusual. It curved in and came down just below his knee and rolled down the rest of his leg over his shoe to the floor and never broke. The class clapped, cheered, whistled. In our day, they'd give high fives. And the red-faced professor never gave those lectures again. Wouldn't you like to bend that boy? Or maybe the daddy of that boy. He believed in praying. The devil would like to get all of us to stop praying. And then the Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you put your hand to serve. And you do this. It's the hands that serve. The devil would like to bite everybody in this room whose hands serve. I've lived in Florida now for about 37 years. Some of you live down here a long time too. You've come from up north. And some of you, probably, used to serve God where you were. You were a bus captain, you were a Sunday school teacher, a deacon, a trustee. You did something in the church up there. And then you retired and you probably got to the Florida line. Either you came down 95 or 75. Nobody comes in from 10 on, from over in Tallahassee. They come from south, south from north. And probably if you had a way to check it, you could get out of your car in the first 15, 20 miles getting into Florida and find all of the gifts and abilities and talents of God's people who, when they got to Florida, said, Lord, I've already served my time. I've already done this. Let them young whippersnappers do it now. And so you decide you're just going to go to church. You're going to be faithful, though. And you're just going to sit there. Don't do that. You say, but Pastor, I'm not as young as I used to be. Well, who is? You can always do something. The verse I gave you a while ago from Corinthians, you helping by prayer. You could always pray. That's something. You used to serve. I hope when this service is over, you say, well, Lord, I'm going to be looking for a stick. I'm going to be looking for something I can do to keep the fire going at Beacon Baptist Church. So Paul's picking up sticks.
And he got bit, but he shook him off. And when he left that island, what a testimony he left behind. And he got to Rome. He got where God said he was going. And you and I are on our way to where God said we're going to. But we've come in contact with the fire at Beacon or maybe some other place. Don't take the fire for granted. Pick up a stick. When those teenagers that Brother Andy asked them if they would come on Saturday and they were going to go work. They were going to go help somebody out that needed it. That was somebody who needs somebody to pick up a stick and come. When you show up for choir practice, you're picking up a stick. When you're involved in ministry, you're picking up a stick. And then one day you'll come to your Rome. You'll make it to heaven. You'll step off on the shores of glory land. And you'll never be sorry you picked up sticks. You'll never be sorry you kept the fire going. But keep the fire going in your own life, in your Bible study and reading, in your prayer life and giving out gospel tracts and being faithful in serving God. Just don't let the fire go out. Lord, I pray that you'd bless Beacon Baptist and may they always keep this fire going here. What a wonderful place of warmth. Beacon Baptist is. And may they keep the fire going. May it be bigger. More people come and get warmed and have their lives transformed here. With their heads bowed and their eyes closed, would you stand to your feet? Maybe you used to pick up sticks and maybe the devil bit your praying hand. You don't pray like you used to. Maybe he bit your fellowship in hand. You don't fellowship like you used to. He, he bit your serving hand. You don't serve like you used to. Before we sing anything while the lady's going to play on the instrument, if God touched your heart tonight about wanting to keep the fire going at Beacon Baptist Church and you need to come to an old-fashioned altar, would you come? If you used to pick up sticks, as it were, and you don't, would you come? And ask the Lord to help you get involved again. Young lady, would you just play something? You need to come right now. Do you need to come? On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.